Hello and welcome to the July 18th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Of course, I am Mr. Joe, and it's good to have everybody here with me today. And of course, it's wonderful to be out there with you. So it appears that we are back on track with Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I have found myself back into a pattern or um, having the availability to record my episodes and... I'm grateful for them because, as I've mentioned many times in the past, this is something that I definitely need. And uh, apparently, based on some of the emails that I have gotten and received over the past week, people were missing me. So I appreciate that. I really do. And uh, a couple of people had reached out to me, asked if everything was all right, where I had been. A few people expressed their gratitude and um, their thank. They would thank me because I re-emerged or surfaced back with my podcast a couple of days ago. Um, got some great comments in regards to some of the past episodes that I've done, and, and it appears that I am helping several of our audience out there. So it makes me very, very happy to hear that, and by God, you are absolutely helping me, whether you know it or not, just by your responses, um, your reviews, more importantly, your feedback personally and privately to me. It means the world to me. And I could not have needed it more than right now. Uh, because as of this morning, uh, I will tell you this. Uh, I spent the entire morning. Well, I won't say the entire morning. I'll, I'll say between the hours of 7.45 a.m. and about 8.30 a.m., maybe 8.45, so about an hour. I spent that entire time crying hysterically in the bathroom stall of my place of employment. And I've discussed this before with my audience in terms of what has prompted me to engage in the severe crying. And I think I might have even labeled it as healthy crying at one point in one of my podcast episodes, but it has me thinking as to whether or not this is so healthy. Uh, and and I'll stop by saying this. For those of you who do not have this service, it's called Google Photos. And as you all know, Google is a huge company. They do just about everything. It's something that I like, something that I use. Uh, I take advantage of all their services, whether it be G Drive or Gmail and um, do a lot with Google, and I always have. I am not particularly an Apple slash Macintosh person. I've always been a PC person, and Google is more compatible with PC. So, nevertheless, this morning when I first arrived to work around 7.30, of course I get a notification, 
And one of the notifications that comes along with Google Photos is it will say, Rediscover This Day. Now, apparently, based on some of the feedback that my coworker just gave me, Facebook has something very similar where it will pop up with old photos and try to let you look at memories. I have no idea. It's been many, many years since I've been on Facebook. I cannot, I think it was 2011 or 2012, the last time I was on Facebook. Facebook to me is poison. Absolute poison. And uh, that is not me putting anybody down who might be on Facebook. For me, in particular, Facebook has always been a poison because it is a, it's a platform for Mr. Joe to express how he's feeling. And that's not always a good thing when you're speaking to a public audience uh, uh, that knows you. I could say it to you. You don't know who I am. You won't judge me. We're all more or less in the same category of being wackadoos. So those that are not wackadoos, the ones that might get off on my struggles, the ones that might not get off on my struggles and feel sympathy for me, whatever it might be, whatever they're feeling, whatever they're thinking about me, I'm letting the world know when I start to go on one of my manic tailspins and I start writing about how I'm feeling and what I'm doing and what I want to do. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days later, I'm depressed and you know people are reaching out to me, whether it's me seeking attention, whether it's me not being able to control my thoughts or my words. It is just a death sentence for me. Well, Google Photos gave me a notification this morning and said, rediscover this day. And it was for the year 2011. And again, I've talked about this in the past. Well, 2011 was more or less the last time that I was with my ex-wife. Around 2011-2012, my bipolar disorder and my mental health became so intense, um, so, so disruptive to the family. Now, uh, I was not hospitalized during this time of my life in, in terms of me looking at these photos. I what I just looked at this morning, but uh, to, to start, they were all more or less positive memories to some extent, and after that, you started to get into a year from late 2011 to 2012 in which my ex-wife had placed an order of protection against me. Um, for my behavior and in, in when I was coming off the Cymbalta medication, in which I acted like a complete lunatic. So some of the pictures started coming up as to when I was being under, not investigation, but I, I needed to have supervised visits with my children. And the supervised visits, they started off in a social services atmosphere in which I literally had to go to a building and sit with my children when they were very, very young and they had no idea why they were there. And I had to give them birthday presents there and pretend that everything was okay. And it really wasn't. And it killed me to know that I couldn't be in a house with them and put them to bed and kiss them goodnight. Instead, I was living with my alcoholic mother and my alcoholic father and pining away in a bedroom that used to be mine um, and, and uh, you know, watching my parents drink and curse my ex-wife and ask to see my children in which they were not permitted either because I was around. 
That quickly went away as I started to prove to the Child Protection Agency that I was a good dad and that the incident that transpired was not because of drugs. At this point in time, I had already been clean at least since 2009. Uh, I had stopped the opiates in 2009. I was on Suboxone for several years at this point, which the Child Protection Agency was not happy about. They are actually the ones that forced me to get off it. But I had even been clean of alcohol and cocaine since 2007 at this point. So because it was a, 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 a doctor-prescribed psychotropic, psychotropic medication, they cut me a little bit of slack. And within a couple of weeks, um, maybe a month, three weeks possibly, I was given supervised visits and I was able to pick the supervisor as long as my ex-wife agreed with it. And of course, I picked my sister. So many of these pictures towards the end of which I was looking at these pictures were me alone with my children, my sister taking pictures, uh, me having to see them, let's say, in a, in a park, um, you know, um, a playground, things like that, you know, a restaurant, because I really couldn't take them to my place of residence. Every once in a while, I was able to go to my sister's, which was great. Um, and that went on for a very long time. But before those pictures, once again, and I mentioned this on a previous podcast, I looked at pictures of my children back when they were little. And, God, how old were they? I don't know, guys. We're in 2018. My kids are 14. They're going to be 15 and 13. So go back to the year 2011. And whatever ages that was, I'm horrible with math, and I've said that a million times. They were little. They were young. And they certainly look a heck of a lot different than they look now. My daughter, who wears contact lenses, who's absolutely beautiful, looks like a woman, uh, actually bothers me quite a bit because I see 30-year-old men, 40-year-old men looking at her as she's walking by. Um, She was a baby. She had her little glasses on. My son had not even been diagnosed with bad eyesight at this point so he didn't have his glasses on so that starts to make me think about how he was struggling to see and I had no idea about it because that's something that I went through now we're a little bit more ahead of the game nowadays me I couldn't see until I was in fourth grade I would play baseball I would have no idea where the ball was and then finally my parents figured it out and took me to a doctor Uh, we discovered that a lot earlier with my son but things like that make me feel horrible because I know what I went through and I have to say to myself, well, was my son struggling with his vision as well? Um, Looking at their little teeth before they got braces, all things like that. Just all the pictures of, you know, the pond that I built, that I dug down eight feet into the ground, that I made this beautiful pond in my old house and my daughter standing there with her arms open to present the pond and just picture after picture of my children laying in bed with me and uh, playing with their little toys and things that, you know, at the time, they actually used to bother me. Clean this up. Get rid of this. Blah, blah, blah. I would do anything to go back to those days, to watch them play with their little McDonald's playset and their little um, animals and their stuffed animals. And just looking at it all, I cried for a little over an hour this morning. I sat in a bathroom stall. And I cried hysterically 
while looking at these pictures uncontrollably and to the point where thank goodness nobody came in in that hour because if they had I don't think I would have been able to control myself and while I'm doing this of course I'm thumbing through all of these pictures and that's what's making it increasingly worse so it was a rough morning and what makes it even more interesting and what has prompted me to jump on this podcast and immediately start reporting on what I'm going to name this podcast as um, severe mixed episodes, something along those lines. I'll figure it out by the time I hit stop on my record button. Was the condition that I was in last night as compared to today. Now, I don't know if I would call this morning depression, um, but it's real close, right along the lines. I don't think it was healthy crying. I think it was uncontrollable crying that made me sad, that I just couldn't understand and I still can't make heads or tails of it. And that led me to think back to what I felt like last night. Now, before I describe that, something that I don't think Mr. Joe has ever really gotten into, and I'm hoping that this doesn't bore you, um, and I don't think it will. I think it'll give you a better description or uh, idea of what Mr. Joe does for a living and who I am and what I stand for and uh, exactly what I do. So maybe you could envision my life just a little bit more in terms of my employment and what I've been doing for close to 27 years now, starting in this industry of disabilities and mental health since the age of 16. Uh, I, I know many, many episodes ago, probably back in the beginning, I tried to indicate to my audience that I was not going to disclose my position. Well, I am now, and I don't care because you're still not going to find me. I am... A person who has multiple degrees, I'm a person who has a special education, master's degree, I have a bachelor of science in uh, mass media, in uh, radio, in TV, believe it or not, something that I wanted to do for a very long time and actually had an opportunity to do, but that I can't get into because that will absolutely give me away, so I refuse to get into that, but shortly after my undergrad, I went right to my master's degree. And I started to discover that um, based on my, my work that I had done away at college and the camp counseling that I had done with children with disabilities starting at 16, that my real calling in life was to be a teacher. And I have a special ed certification. I have a certification in what's called applied behavior analysis. I am early intervention certified, which is birth through three years old. Not only can I work with adults from 3 to 80, which I do, um, I am able to work through the Department of Health with little babies. Um, I am a crisis prevention intervention instructor, and I am a certified parent trainer, which is very interesting because that allows me to provide counseling and training to parents of children with disabilities. Now, what I do in my current job is, is, is rather involved. I run an entire school district program. And what that means is I'm by myself, which is just makes it even more interesting. The only person that I have is my wife and thank God for her. I don't know what I am going to do when she goes back to work. I'm going to have to hire somebody to do what she's doing. She essentially coordinates and staffs all the cases for me, and she basically tracks all the home cases. And what I mean by that is we run an agency or a department in which 
I contract with several different school districts all over where Mr. Joe's neighborhood is. I develop contracts, I come up with a rate, and I negotiate with these districts, and we agree to provide services for them. And all their children with special needs, they'll contact my wife and they'll say, you know, Johnny Smith, he needs, um, you know, applied behavior analysis three times a week. Do you have anybody? And my wife will search in our pool of contractors, which is about 250 of them. And she will try to find somebody that will be willing to take on that case in terms of the child's disability, in terms of the location, and in terms of the time frame in which is needed. We will staff the case, and that becomes our case. Um, thank God for her, because I would never have time to do all that staffing and all that stuff. So um, that's a good thing, uh, because what it comes down to is I am responsible to develop all those contracts, to deal with all the problems, to deal with all the issues. And when I say issues, I mean the real hardcore issues, because, again, my wife deals with most of it. But while I am doing that, I also run another program in which there's a completely different um, jurisdiction. Let's put it that way. Uh, other than Mr. Joe's Neighborhood, in which it's a program that is provided um, through support of the government. And I'm allowed to enroll 12 kids, between 12 and 14 kids, and they each get six, 50 hours a year. Um, and that changes every year. So I have to run and maintain that program as well. And it's actually parent training and counseling. So I have a provider go in, kind of the same way with the cases, but it's kind of a set like, yeah, 50 hours a week, uh, a year, that's what you get, and you're allowed to go whenever you want. As with school district cases, you've got to follow that school district calendar. This particular program, you can go whenever you want. You could stay six hours if you like. So a lot of my providers, my independent contractors, which is what they all are, they love it. Now, on top of that, running all these things, Mr. Joe, who's been doing this for some time, I am a very well-known person in Mr. Joe's community, so most of these districts, they have another service, which, which is called behavior consultation. So their children, their students in the classroom with their teachers that have severe disabilities, their, their teachers, their aides, their assistants, they need an abundance of training. And unfortunately, a lot of times they don't want anybody else but Mr. Joe. So I try to space out my time and throughout the course of the week, I will go into these schools. I was actually just with a kindergarten class uh, yesterday. It was great. I loved it. Um, really rough kids, though. <laughs> they were something else. But the tougher they are, the more I love them. And unfortunately, during the summer program, the people working with these kids are very young. So they're green. They're fresh. Um, but, you know, they're motivated. So I get to train them. And what I do is I work directly with the students as well because we do what's called modeling. So I will model what I want them to do, and hopefully these teachers catch on. And that's another part of what I do. In addition, I am a crisis prevention intervention trainer, and what that means is I will go to various locations, and I will train them in what's called restraints. Children that become extremely aggressive, whether it be verbally or physically, I train people how to deal with those behaviors. And of course, the last um, the, the, the least thing that you want to do is hold on or restrain a student. That is the last resort, always. But unfortunately, a lot of times it gets to that point where we have to provide physical restraints. So I will first start the course in teaching them uh, about um, 
you know, how to verbally de-escalate a situation. And when that doesn't work, I teach them all kinds of moves to certify them so that they can deal with aggression. Um, and that is actually a very long uh, training course, about 12 hours. I usually break it up into three days, four hours a day. So it's over the course of three days. So you can imagine, if I'm doing one of those trainings, that's three days a week where basically half my day is gone um, between travel time and everything. My work day is over relatively quick. It's a whole day that I lost out on things. In addition to all of that, I am probably the primary speaker um, in terms of all the conferences, all the special events, all the seminars throughout the autism community I will present, sometimes on a microphone, sometimes to a rather small group of people. Um, but I am the one trainer at my particular place of employment. Um, and I am hired by not only schools, but hired by parents and things of that nature. So I find myself doing that a lot. And um, I will more often than not find myself throughout the school day hours training people um, by speaking to them, presenting PowerPoints, uh, presenting stories. And to be honest with you, I hardly never fo follow my PowerPoints. Um, you know, I kind of just speak, as you can imagine. And um, I also do what's called, um, for the new employees that come into my place of employment, I run that as well. So that's a full-day course. So I do a lot. I do a lot. And that's really what Mr. Joe does. And this is all centered around students children and adults with disabilities, primarily autism, but that does not exclude all the other ones that I work with, whether it be Down syndrome, emotional disturbance, intellectual disability, ADHD. Um, I say primarily autism because that's the bulk of what I deal with. I am quote unquote an expert in all the other things. And I've most recently, as of I'd say about seven, eight years ago, I've really taken on the mental health community as well basically because of my diagnosis and my familiarity with schizophrenia and bipolar, depersonalization disorder, and all the wonderful things that we all suffer from. Now, I was given an opportunity to make some extra money, what we call bonus cash. Now, different than the um, school district world, there, there are residential homes and my place of employment, which has nothing to do with me and my department, we have a bunch of residential homes where people with disabilities end up living because their families can't handle them anymore. And that's basically said in a nutshell. Um, I was given an opportunity to make some extra money. And originally I was placed in a position where it was a real easy house, real easy residence. I would go once a week. I had a great relationship. I really didn't have to do much. Everybody was about was between the ages of 55 and 85 and they were all wheelchair bound and only a couple of them were really cognitively alert meaning that they could really only three of them or so could really only talk they were all on psychiatric medications so they all had behavior plans but really none of it had to be utilized because they were getting old and all they wanted to do was hold my hand and talk so it was easy easy extra money well I was told that there was a more difficult residence, and because Mr. Joe can say no to nobody, I was asked if I would be willing to switch. Now, I have not made my presence felt yet at that new residence, but I will tell you this. I am not supposed to deal with situations because it is bonus work during the day in terms of my normal business hours, but 
I've probably gotten about 60 emails over the last week since this particular residence found out that I was be, going to be transferring over, which tells me two things. they got a lot of problems going on there, and the gentleman that was there before me did absolutely nothing. So here's what it comes down to, everybody. I am in no mood, no mood to take on this new responsibility. However, last night, about 5 o'clock, 5.30, Mr. Joe was in probably one of the most manic moods that I've been in over the course of the last, I'd say, three months. My mania was out of control. I thought I was the top dog. I thought I was Mr. Autism, flying in with a cape, like super autism man, super disability man. There was nothing that I couldn't handle. I had figured out prior to 5 o'clock last night that I was probably going to deny this position. I didn't need the bonus work anymore. I wasn't in the mood. My job is too stressful. What do I need this for? I just don't need it. But what do I do? 5 o'clock. I start answering all these emails. I start writing and writing and advising. And before I know it, I make myself an appointment to come in to see everybody at 6 o'clock tonight. So as of 5 o'clock, I am now going in at 6 o'clock tonight. Um, To make matters worse, as I'm thumbing through my text messages, because I am so manic, one of the women slash school teachers that I trained in crisis prevention intervention probably about six months ago reached out to me somehow some way she had my phone number why because during a training I probably gave it out because I was so manic during a training that all I wanted to do was talk and I was hoping people would call me and ask me questions well this mom certainly did and I'm not going to read the text message to you but in a nutshell Probably three or four times she reached out to me, and um, I really never got back to her. She asked for help with her child with autism who was having a very difficult time at a camp. Had a difficult time adjusting. He was biting other kids, and she asked for my help. And believe it or not, she lives seven minutes from my home. So it would be a real easy situation. Not a lot of travel involved. It would be kind of off the books. Um, I, I always provide free consultation for the first two hours and then I, I give my rate, which by the way is expensive. You know, it's usually $110 an hour, which is a lot of money. But for this particular family, I was saying to myself, you know what, $40, $50 an hour, call it a day. Um, which is still, again, a lot of money, but that's what it goes for, Mr. Joe's neighborhood. That's what it takes to get an expert. Now, I don't want any part of this, but... Mr. Manic Joe, what does he do? He starts writing to this parent. Before I know it, I'm engaged in a full-fledged text conversation in which I'm offering the entire world to this mom. So what does Mr. Joe do? I I now have an appointment at 3.30 tomorrow directly after work. So here's what happened. I woke up today, and as I opened my eyes this morning, about 5 o'clock a.m., I got out of bed, and I thought about what I did. I thought about my schedule, really, for today. And it appeared just to be a normal work day. And then I said, oh, my goodness. Wait a second. My day is not ending at 3 o'clock today. i got to go back out at 6. What the hell did I do? I did not even recall making these appointments 
but I had a, a, a vision of what I might have done. So I started looking at my emails and my text and I couldn't believe what I did. And then it struck me that I made this appointment with the parent. So I, to help tomorrow, I can't believe what I did. I don't even know how I did this and I don't want any part of it. And little did I know I was going to wake up and start crying today. So I went, the, the, the mixed episodes are bad. The mixed episodes are bad. I'm crying. I'm happy. Crying. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm confident. I'm, I'm not confident. It's real bad. It's real bad. Um, listen, I have no choice but to go. I've kind of sucked it up. Believe me, you, I have thought about calling in, quote unquote, and making an excuse to the point where because I am employed by this particular place and there is a connection with this residence, I almost said to myself, I got to play sick, go home. And then I could turn around and be like, oh, sorry, I went home sick. So you guys won't see me later. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stick it through, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, whereas last night, Super Joe thought he could handle anything, and I want no part today. Now, after I finish crying this morning, I have to thank the Lord above for one of my co-workers. It's just her and I in the office, and everybody else seems to be away, or seems to be, is away. And uh, I guess I could not hide the fact that I was crying. I was at my desk, and when she came in, she immediately said, what is wrong, and you know, I explained to her the same way I'm explaining to you because I could share these things with her. Um, and, you know, she handed me a box of tissues and she was very compassionate to me. And the wonderful thing is she listens to me and she tries to analyze my bipolar disorder along with me. And it was very interesting because she said to me, she goes, Mr. Joe, you have to be more proactive with your offers during your trainings. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, stop giving out your phone number and stop offering the world to people. Not only that, when you're here and people come in and they ask you computer questions, there's an IT department here. Why do people have to come in and ask you to fix their computers and fix their hardware and their software? Why do you want to do everything for everybody and help? So you got to make yourself less available and then maybe Maybe you won't have to deal with this down the line and be put in a position where you either have to say no or because depending on what mood you're in, start making a name for yourself in which people turn around and say, you know what, he offered to help but now he's not around. You don't want to make that reputation in this age, in this um, day and age, in this industry. The problem is, and I explain this to my coworker, the problem is, is when I'm doing most of these trainings, when I'm speaking, I'm usually 70% of the time, if I'm not stable, I'm manic. Um, and when I'm manic, I want to help. Um, I, I want to I talk with people. I want to offer my services because the God's honest truth is I really care. And I don't talk a lot about myself and what I do in terms of the good that's in my heart. But I'll tell you this, and I know this just by looking at other people do what I do, it takes a hell of a lot of patience to do what we do, to work with children on the spectrum, to work with children with disabilities. So deep down inside, I'm a good guy. I know that I am, so I want to help these families and people, but the problem is I don't help myself enough. I don't help myself enough to keep my mind stable, 
to keep myself in a good place where I can follow through on some of the things because Mr. Joe is so up and down as of late, it's unbearable. And, you know, 10 minutes into this podcast, I started to cry. I won't cry now because as I'm speaking, I'm starting to get more and more confident, Um, which tells me that speaking is a good thing. Speaking with a psychiatrist or a psychologist and that is really what I need, but yet I fail to go speak to a therapist. And I've talked about this many, many times. More importantly, or most importantly at this point in time, it, it has become evidently clear, and I have no other choice but to do this, I need to speak with my psychiatrist. Because I think it's time that I, I go in for a med change. I really do. I don't know if this is working anymore. I don't think a person who is medicated should be going up and down like this mixed episodes, rapid cycling, clear mood swings. Um, again, the depression is not me laying in bed. It's more of crying. It's more of the hopeless feeling. I can't get through the day, but I'm yet I'm able to do my things that I need to do rather slowly. And then, bam, before you know it, I'm flying high. And I got all the confidence in the world. I can't shut my mouth. I keep talking. I'm in that hypomanic state of mind. And you know, it's, 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 it's puzzling, absolutely puzzling. And I have to say to myself, has the gym, the exercising slash weight training, has that added to my mania? Has that triggered? Because I'm trying to think of changes that I've made over the course of the last month or so. And that is really the only thing I could think of, along with the stress of having another child again which I don't think about a whole lot, but maybe it's part of the problem. Subconsciously, maybe I am thinking about all that. So this episode was more of a rant than anything. I don't have a whole lot of answers as to why I'm feeling the way that I do. But if we're going to get anything out of this episode, the most important thing that I've recognized is that when things are going bad like this, you can't let it sit and wait. You have to talk to your doctor. So I'm not sure when my appointment is. I know it's sometime at the end of July. I'm going to have to get in there sooner than later, um, which is making me even more stressed right now because now I'm having obsessive-compulsive disorder in which I have to feed my compulsion of looking at the time and the place, and I'm not going to get over it until I do. And I actually just put my audience on pause to go look at the time and the place of my appointment, uh, the, the time and date of my appointment. But I decided not to because now I'm scared that I'm going to lose my recording. So, so my mind is all over the place, meaning that if I switch applications from what I'm recording on, I'm going to lose you guys and all this content. So I'm not taking a chance. So my mind is all over the place. It really is. So if anything, if you're feeling like this, I think it's important that we go and we speak to our doctors and we don't let it sit and wait because sometimes our medication regimen slash cocktail is not working and it's time to change it up. So if you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I need you to continue to work hard. If you love somebody or care about somebody with a mental illness, I ask you to support that person in the best way that you know how. I am missing my mom and dad, I'll tell you that much. Um, Something else we'll get into. If you're struggling with a mental illness right now, kind of like Mr. Joe, I ask you to continue to battle as hard as you can. And most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Everybody have a great day. 
talk to you real soon.